We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 367. I'm back from a weekend in Nantucket. I was there for a wedding. Scott, you were hanging at home, and the Yankees were playing a spring training game north of... Oh, wait, no, that was a regular season game, wasn't it? That Shit. was definitely a regular weird. season game. It was. I mean, it was in Toronto, so it felt, you know, a little different than that. It was uh, It was weird because we got guys coming back, and there, you know, there's no more baseball that's happening really right now that's competitive. The uh, The Trenton Thunder just, just took the championship. And, them. Um, yep, no one else is no one else is playing baseball, so... You got to get these guys into competitive innings and competitive play. And uh, yeah, today definitely felt like a spring training game. At this point, with the way the injured list is and the amount of bodies on the sidelines, they could feel the whole entire simulated game with just injured guys if they want to just get that going instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of putting them into major league action where maybe you win the series against Toronto so you can still try and 
lock up home field advantage. I'm still I'm still hoping that happens. I don't know. Maybe the Yankees are are just saying whatever happens happens. Get our guys back and move on. I mean, I think you have to at this point. Even when you're trying to win, you guys are they're they're getting they're getting injured. So look at Thursday um, afternoon. It was it was like they're getting picked off one by one again. Yeah, there's no right answer with how to keep guys healthy or 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 not. Or you know, are they going for the win to to you know get the home field advantage or are they not? Like, there's no clear answer here. They got to get guys ready to go. They got to keep guys healthy. They got to try to win. They're going to try to do all of the above. And I think Boone has kind of an interesting job right now just with this next two weeks it's going to be a weird two weeks it's not going to be your traditional baseball it's going to be very uh you know you're playing against now coming up the the angels without mike trout because he just went down or is going down and you know where's the life in those in those games it's going to be a strange feeling i mean you're getting severino back on tuesday that's going to energize the team yeah, and you win a couple games this week, you're gonna you're gonna clinch the division. That's gonna energize the team. Oh, there's no doubt. I think the Yankees will have the energy, but I'm talking about the competitiveness of the game. Like you're going against the Angels now with Mike Trout being gone, uh, they're not in it at all. So you're you're seeing just, you know, you have the two against Tampa, so that's something. Like that's a little taste. I, I'm actually glad that's happening. Uh, that we can uh, that we can get a little bit of a you know a competitive a competitive atmosphere with oh, two what? teams that want to win badly. Seems like the Blue Jays want to beat the Yankees. They're the only. Yeah, but team they're also in the division. rolling out. They're rolling out like you know ninety seven pitchers as, as well. It's just not the same. It's not the same baseball as it we've seen all year long, and what we're going to see in the playoffs. It's it's just I don't know. It feels different right now. Who are you more sick of, uh, Bo Bichette at this point or Randall Grichik? Oh, it's Grichik, thousand percent. Because he's, eight because home runs he's against the Yeah, it's crazy. And Bichette, like you, you expect a guy like Bichette to do it because he's a hot young kid coming up, big prospect. He looks really good. He does look really good. He looks I feel really like he's on, on both base. Sides of the ball. He's on base every inning against the Yankees. Yeah, he's going to be a pain in the ass. So you know, if we're looking long term, it's going to be him most likely. Um, but yeah, the uh, but Grichik right now, the 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 amount of home runs that this guy hits against the Yankees is crazy. Yeah. And I, I think what you were saying, how we last recorded on Thursday morning and, or Wednesday night, and they were going into that doubleheader. They swept another doubleheader. So what does that make them now this year? They've only lost one game in a double. They're 13-1 and one in doubleheaders this year. Mm-hmm. It's utter dominance. Like, that doesn't happen. The old baseball right. cliche tells me teams go 500 because you split doubleheaders. Well, this team has done the exact opposite. But... Encarnacion, mild oblique strain. Sanchez pulled groin trying to steal a base. Like, what are you doing? I have no idea what he was doing. It's misty and muddy and foggy out there. It's against the Detroit Tigers, who are maybe the worst team in the league. And you're you're stealing a base? Trying to steal a base. (laughs) Yeah, it's I, I don't I have no idea what was going through his brain at that point. There's no possible way anybody else told him to do that. There's no possible way anybody else even joked about doing that. He made that decision, went on his own, and comes up lame. Uh, you know, squats down in the next inning and feels it. Right, didn't you, know you appreciate Boone's, uh, Boone's statement? Like, no, he didn't do it trying to steal the base. He felt it in the following inning in the crouch. Oh, okay. So it was something he does a, a million times a, a year, crouching down. That's what hurt him. It wasn't trying to sprint to second base, which he's not used to doing. And not yeah, I don't know why. Doing. Not capable of doing. I mean, it's not. That is not what's best for the team in any way, shape, or form. Because you're going to get you're thrown not out. Steal the bag. <laughs> right. yeah, you're not going to steal the bag. That's one. And two, you're not built for that. You're just not. Just yeah. don't do that. Know your strengths, Gary. Hit the ball far. Throw guys out on the bases, 
and let other people steal the bags. It's like you can't even make that argument when Aaron Judge steals a base. Uh, you can't make that same argument like you just made, like, oh, it's not good for the team because he's capable of stealing a base. He's a smart yeah. base runner. Right. But I still don't want to see him do it because every time I see him slide, I'm just like, oh, boy, I hope he didn't just injure something. Yeah, it's a big boy hitting the ground, and the ground doesn't move. So you don't want to see your star player you know, diving all over the place. You don't see very many of them doing that anymore. Um, but Judge, again, yeah, Judge, Judge, is, Judge is an all-around player. He's just, he's a, a 6'2 human being trapped in a 6'7 body. Like, that's how he moves. Uh, so, you know, you, you look at him and you see different things. Gary Sanchez has a hitch. There's, there's something attached to him. No, don't do that. What, is, what kind of body type is Gary Sanchez on the inside? Because <laughs> he's outside, he's, he's still a big boy, but I feel like he's really, he's an old, he's, he's an old fat, lazy man. <laughs> Oh, why you got to say lazy? Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's uh, Sal Fasano on the inside. Yeah. Um, so we're still looking. I'm still looking for them to to win home field advantage. Um, Houston has been kind of struggling with Oakland. They've been giving them a hard time. And now I'm starting to hear people say, oh, this is all part of the plan. Let let uh, the Astros get the number one seed. So they're going to have to play the wild card winner, which is likely going to be Oakland. Oakland can knock off Houston and the Yankees will handle the twins and then boom, they get home field against Oakland and we never have to go through Houston. Cause I'm actually hearing people theorize that. Right. Cause it's, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of, uh, you can really predict what happens too in the next, in the, in the first round of the ALDS, even if the wild card game has to go through. Um, no, it, you know, again, I don't like choosing opponents, so I'm not, I'm not asking for anybody just kind of adjust with who comes our way and no i don't think anybody's losing on purpose are you starting to get like because look what the a's did to the yankees and look what the a's have done to houston recently are you starting to get worried about the athletics at all did you see mike fires face i did i i <laughs> the big giant g on his face is it though there was a g i kind of look like a g i thought it was a, a cattail was it a cattail that's what i mean i that's that, that, literally that that was my tweet i said it's the worst case of toxoplasmosis I've ever seen in my life. Like the guy literally is now wearing it on his face. He's have gone. You, he's gone that far. Uh, you, you've got a beard. I've got a beard. When you shave, have you ever just played around like before you actually shave the whole thing off, like different designs and stuff? No. Really? Yeah. I don't want to see myself like just that. to see what it looks like. Like, oh, no, what would I don't want to see myself like that. I, you know, look, I, I don't want to see myself in in, uh, in that. I, I've done a mustache. That's it. But. That's, well, we no, did I haven't, I haven't done like weird. I certainly haven't done like shapes and shit like Mike Fires is doing, and then go out in public. One Halloween, I was I I dressed like a like a seventies disco guy, so I, I grew out the beard and then just shaved like massive sideburns. Yeah, well, there's intent there. That, that's a different thing. This was back in college. I'm not like I'm not doing. <laughs> I mean, like when you ask me this question, I'm picturing like <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill, like you dancing in front of the mirror. Like that's that's it's disturbing things have gone through my brain. <laughs> Is that what you think Fires was doing, or do you think? Yeah, this, I do. do think I, he, think I mean, he lost. He had to have lost the bet, right? No, no, no. I think he's a psycho. I think he's, I think he's just one of those that worries weird me. guys. Psycho, psycho can play for a couple starts in the playoffs. Like, that can I agree play with up. that. No, I agree with that. And he's, he's, he's done it in the past. So if I'm looking at a guy who's a little bit, you know, off of, uh, you know, chemically imbalanced, yeah, there's something there that can be, if that's bottled correctly, if that's channeled in the right way, that can be a detriment to, to our team. And I, and I don't like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, again, They've shown, 
even though we look at the names of the pitchers on the Oakland A's, like they could, they just continue to pitch well. And then it's not just against the Yankees; they're going out and pitching well against the Houston Astros and and other teams. So, so yeah, I guess it's it's creeping into the brain that, I mean, I know they're a good team, um, and sometimes it's just hard for me to get past those names. But those names are performing right now. So, yeah, look at the team ranks for pitching. So we know Houston's got a filthy pitching staff. They're fourth in Team ERA and fifth in FIP. But Oakland's 7th in Team ERA, 14th in FIP, so that's middle of the pack there. But compared to the Yankees, they're pretty damn good because the Yankees are 14th in Team ERA and 17th in FIP. So when you're comparing these three teams uh, from just a team perspective, uh, pitching-wise, Houston and Oakland has performed better than the Yankees this year. Offensively, we know the Yankees are up there with anyone. Houston ranks 1st in Team uh, WOBA and WRC+. The Yankees rank 2nd in both categories. And Oakland's a little bit further down, ninth in Woba, sixth in WRC plus. Like, no matter how you slice it, all of these teams are really good, and the Twins are right up there too offensively. Yeah, I mean, so this is the other thing why I don't like looking at these metrics, these team metrics. Sometimes uh, when when you're trying to like compare teams for taking the entire, so we're always asking for a, a complete a complete sample size, right? A larger sample size, so these metrics can make some sense. But I mean, look what Oakland has. Their pitching staff has completely changed since the uh, since the trade deadline. You look at now Houston with Granke. Um, they've had some injuries. And you look at the Yankees where they are getting Severino back. Uh, and James Paxson. Batantis. James Paxson is a very different guy right now than he had been in the first half of the year. So I don't know. It's hard for me to look at these general stats as far as team pitching and get a real over a good overview of how they are because – to me, you have to look at how they've been really, you know, approaching the, um, the this last month and a half and, and what they look like now because it's it's a very different snapshot than than if you look at just general stats over a course of the season. Yeah, you kind of do it. You kind of look at the leaderboards just to get a sense of who's who's there, who's not there, the, yeah. the haves and have-nots of the league. That's I mean, yeah. that's what it can sort of tell the story of. And then we know what the Yankees have done every day. But we don't really know what the Athletics have done every day and what the Astros have done every day and what they look like most recently, other than the fact that I know they just took three out of four from Houston. Yeah, no, I mean it's just a matter of you know who they're who the who they acquired, you know it, what what differences actually by names or, or guys that have come up that are contributing at this point than uh, that were not there earlier in the season. So that's those are the the big things. Like if if you want to look at Oakland, to me, I would I would be paying attention to them, you know, post deadline. From like August first on, like I think it's probably a better snapshot of what their pitching staff. Doesn't this like. like every year? That's when you look at Oakland. It's like what did they yeah. do in the second half of the season? Yeah, past few past few years, it's been like that for sure. Um, and from a pitching perspective, like another thing we were looking at, I was excited to see for that doubleheader is what does Sabathia and Herman look like combined? And combined, they went seven and a third innings, five, only five hits, two runs, ten strikeouts, and one walk. But Herman Herman was filthy out of the bullpen, absolutely lights out. Um, CC was okay too, so I don't think CC's on the playoff roster. I still don't think he's on the playoff roster, but I think he's. We're coming up in the last home stand for the Yankees. He's gonna get his day, right? Probably. I mean, yeah, he's gonna get his. I day. mean, he deserves his day. He's going. He's gonna get. He's going to get something. Absolutely. So, um, what's that gonna be? It's gonna be. A, is it gonna be a start? Is it gonna be? Do they test him? See, here's the thing. How are you? If they if Sabathia is on the playoff roster, how's he going to be used? In what capacity? Right. Well, everybody else is. Get, it seems like they're getting tested in different different ways. Why right. not Sabathia? Because he's not, you know, he's not one of these. He's not Tanaka. He's not Paxton, and he's not, um, 
you know, what Severino is going to be, but really just Tanaka and Paxton and, and well, I guess Hap. Um, but even Hap, why not see what he can do out of the bullpen if he's going to be a possibility? If, if he's if even going to, is he still going to make it. his next start with this bicep tendonitis? Like I know it's, he was TBD. They're supposed to, as of right now, I think he's uh, scheduled to start so far. But um, they, um, they, they, uh, that's, that's one of those things that we have to keep an eye on. But you, I mean, we don't know what, what, what they look like. And if, if Sabathia is on the roster, which it would be, I think it would be an upset if he was, then, you know, is he going to be a guy that tries to start the game and they're going to, you know, use him as a quote opener um, and then bring a guy like Herman who can get some length out of, out of, you know, beyond him? Who knows? But that seems like it would be, they're going to have someone ready to go almost immediately. Um, so, see, here's the thing with, with Sabathia. I think you give him one more start at Yankee Stadium this week. But he's only going two to three innings in that start regardless. So then you can get him two bullpen appearances in the last week and a half of the season to test that out if you want to test what he could do out of the bullpen in the but playoffs. But is that really going to show us anything? Two starts out of the bullpen. Is it really going to show you what he can do? He, no. What it more does, I think, is f- has him figure out a, a routine. Maybe. Maybe. Just, just the sense of, of going out there throwing some warm-up pitches and coming in in the middle of the game. But, mm-hmm. you know, even then, like, you're looking at I, – I feel like there's – there are better options, especially now with Severino and Batantis coming back. And honestly, right. like, the way Ben Heller looks like he could be throwing the ball too looks like a weapon. And, you know, I know he's coming in late to the party, but um, that's a guy that could, that could be, be a very, very big addition in, in, a, in a bullpen if he's throwing well because he's got a damn good arm. And he looks really good. You mentioned Heller, Batances, Severino all coming out. Is one guy you don't want to see anymore, Nestor Cortez? Because I'm done with Nestor. I'm officially done with Nestor Cortez. I'm done with Cortez, Dull. Well, he got Lions. DFA. I'm just I'm done with all. I don't want to see any more of these guys again. I don't understand if I'm if I'm watching Ryan Dull or Lions, any of these clowns come out and pitch. Why can't I see Davy Garcia? Why? Well. If he's if he's still throwing in Tampa, and if that's and he's so still then at this point I have to believe why? they don't want to put him on the forty man roster. To um, is he on the forty man? Ro- I forget if he's on the forty man roster. I feel I, like the, it, it, I I don't know. I could look it up, but I don't know off the top. I of my just head if he's it doesn't. First man. of all, I just don't want to see Ryan Dull pitch anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. Or I'm Lions. You. I'm not even trying to remember their first names to tell you the truth. I don't want to remember their first names. Um. Well, okay, so if you got if, – if their plan is for Herman to be a, a second guy out in the game, so a middle guy, right, then – I don't know if that's necessarily what they're, what they're planning to do, though. I think it depends on how things shake down. And I think it depends on how, you know, the first two games of the ALDS go, and then they will, they will make, a, you know, an adjustment to, to the way that Herman's going to be used. Because it's not like he's going to pitch on a given day, right? So it's just a matter of if he's coming out of the pen or if he's starting the game. And he's going to so, go twice through the lineup. Depends on how he's going. Mm-hmm. I don't see them. I mean, we know the stats at this point. He's good two times through the lineup. So, I, I mean, if he's, getting lit, up, he's, if he's getting lit up in the first time through the order, you don't let him just go keep going. But if right. he's good the first two times through the order, you probably pull him. I don't know if they'd just pull him because of that. I think they would let him roll out there and then probably have a guy ready to go. Again, it depends on the game situation. Yeah. And uh, with the other injuries from this game, um, like we just said, Hap. So this is apparently something he's been pitching with and wanted to pitch through. 
Yeah. That's what he says. He says it's been it's been something that's the, that he's definitely felt, um, but he felt he could go through it. And they're now testing and making sure that other things are... It's just one of those things that he says has been lingering. I don't know. But how much has it really been affecting him? Because he, honestly, he's been better the past... The past month, he's been better. Not I mean, month. He, two starts. He had two good starts. Three starts. He had three starts. The last one was... Was it three? Eh. And then, yeah, there were three. There was three okay. before that. So, yes. He's, so, he's It's close to a month. Was this lingering for two months or was this lingering for two weeks? Because if it was lingering for two months and the Yankees were continuing to send him out there to watch him get lit up, that's stupid. Like, buddy, thanks for being a hero, but it's clearly not working. So, how about you go on the injured list? Just another guy going on the injured list, like... Happens every day, it seems. Yeah, I know, but it's another starting pitcher as well. So there's only so many you can take that just completely decimate your pitching staff. You have to have some guys go out there and throw some innings, whether they're good or bad. They got to throw innings. And, you know, to that point, if, if, if Hap were to have gone down to, I mean, like, you're pulling up some random dudes now from, from AAA just, just starting games at this point. Yes. You're, just, you're, 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 getting, you're getting even more random than we are with, with, these, with these guys that we have on the, uh, on the squad right now. So it's... Uh, it's, it's tough sledding if, if he were to go down as well the, over the last month. The, and the cherry on top of all this, uh, Encarnacion with a mild oblique strain. TBD if he's going to be back before the season. Just got him back. Just got him swinging, swinging the bat well again. And here we go with another injury. I, I think it's a huge loss because he's a great hitter. And he was going to be there starting DH in the playoffs. It's a huge loss. The guy's been stroking the ball too. And I talked about this in the last show. The... Having a guy, having a veteran guy like Encarnacion in the lineup right now is, is uh, one, he's been there before. He's played in the playoffs before. The guy has experience. He's a veteran dude, good at bats. I want guys who can see the ball really well in the playoffs. Guys who have good at bats. And he's just, he's one of the best. Uh, he's one of the best power hitters, but I think he doesn't get enough credit for, you know, the walks he takes, uh, how, how good of an eye he has, and, and how he works the count. So I think he helps the team out in that capacity as well because he sees a lot of pitches. And um, yeah, no, it's it's one of those a mild oblique strain. I gotta believe he's gonna make an attempt to, sure. to get back because he has and nothing, we're gonna see nothing to lose at that. Point. Nothing to lose at this point because Yankees most likely, I mean, most likely are not picking up that option for next year, right? What is it, twenty million, something like that? No, but for him, Encarnacion, he says, okay, I'm gonna try and come back, and if I can't, I mean, I'm just out for the off season. And yeah, 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 it doesn't so matter. It doesn't I know. matter. But you're looking at um, you're looking at a guy that that is a huge difference maker for this playoffs. And I want those types of guys healthy and ready to go for the playoffs because the alternative is now, uh, I mean, if he's not playing, Voight has a very clear path to playing time. Cause I think if he's, if Encarnacion is playing, Voight actually has a very murky path towards playing in the playoffs. Well, does this also open up the door for DH uh, Stanton DH? Maybe, but then you have to have someone go to left field that you, uh, that you trust <laughs> and I to me right now honestly like if I'm looking up and down the lineup the guy that I could see them if Stanton were to be let's say that Encarnacion cannot play and uh, and now Stanton is playing and so voice your first baseman Stanton's your primary DH mm-hmm. left well, field where's LeMahieu you'd still left, you'd still be in that situation LeMahieu's probably your starting first baseman or he's starting at third base if you're not playing Geo for a game Right. Um, but left field is going to have to be either Stanton, Mabin, or the last guy on the, on the playoff roster, right. Tyler Wade. So Stanton coming back and being healthy is actually now super critical. 
it's critical. I mean, yeah, I think it was good. Well, it's going to change everything. It'll change. It'll change the dynamic of the way that the roster looks because it's also playoffs, it's also imperative that we see him play left field at a at a um, at a level that's average. You know, level. That's average, average level. He needs to look like he can move out there well. To me, that's the biggest thing. Because otherwise, you're like you said, Mabin. We love Cameron Mabin, but he's been struggling at the plate. His wrist has been bothering him. So did that's you not. Where, did you see where he played? I in, did. Uh, I was. Go, I was going to bring this up because we I saw you released. tweeting me. Um, he played center field in one of the doubleheader games. So yeah, he played over the weekend as well. The, the guys, they're putting him out there. Yeah, because they um, have to see it. The uh, so you either have Mabin or the last guy on the roster, which is either Clint Frazier, which bat fine, glove not, not fine. recently. Bat's not even fine recently. I mean, the guy's been struggling okay, everywhere. But you know what I mean. Like I'm more comfortable sending up Clint Frazier to to hit than Mabin or Tyler Wade, who is the next guy I was going to mention, who's actually looked really good defensively and has actually had good at bats and he plays he's a high motor guy he's in a lot he's very energetic out there i saw him dancing around first base like fake stealing the bag this morning uh not this morning this uh in today's game i don't think he was fake stealing the bag i think he just missed his time his jump and he thought the uh, pitcher was throwing over whatever it was a fake or not a fake he got fooled a lot of energy well, he's, I mean, the guy is, is uh, blazing fast. The, be- the best, I- I've been talking about him for forever and a day, and I don't even care if he hits. That's, that's my, my opinion towards Tyler Wade has always been, you know, you get what you get from him offensively. It is what it is. You're not trying, you're not relying on him for offense. What you're relying on him for is defensive flexibility, where you can put him absolutely anywhere on the, on the diamond, and, um, and base running. You get speed. You get a guy that can pinch run late. You get a guy that can play defense late at multiple positions. And we're seeing him now in the outfield. And I got to tell you, he looks very natural out there. He looks very comfortable. Um, so I don't think there's a position that he can't play on the field, obviously minus the battery. So now, new set of injuries. Rank them in most important need to get back to least important. Uh, and Carnacio, Gary Sanchez is number one. Okay, Gary, it's my, I agree. Gary Sanchez is number one. Who's number two? Is it Stanton or Encarnacion? Well, what have you done for me lately? I don't know what we're getting back from Stanton. And to me, like they're both, I'm not on the camp. I'm not on the side of, of uh, I don't want Stanton back by any means. That, no, that but you not. just laid out a scenario where we need him to play left field. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, so I, I the drop off between, back. I do too, but the drop off between DH Encarnacion and Luke Voigt Encarnacion is not as big as Stanton in left field, assuming he's healthy and good to either Cameron Mabin or Clint Frazier or um, Tyler Wade. That's a yeah. bigger drop-off. No, you're right. It's a good point. It, it's a good point. It, there's so many factors with Stanton now, though. He's only got two weeks left to prove anything. He's got he's to get his timing back at the plate, which is going to be hard. Does he? I think he's the starting left fielder if he's healthy. Even no, no. If he, I, for, no, I'm talking about to be a productive player. Oh, okay. He's got he's to get his timing back. I'm not yep. saying to show what the Yankees... If, they, if he shows that he's healthy, he's going to be on the roster. And he, starting. And starting. He's got to, yeah, but again, he's got to, he's got to get his timing back. But then again, he has to show that he can um, move well in left field. And I think that's, that's a big concern. To me, that's one of the biggest concerns of the guys coming back. How is Stanton going to play left field? How is he going to be able to move around in left field? Is he that healthy? Because it's such an unknown right now. It's such an unknown quantity, like what he is physically. I have no idea. And I don't think anybody knows besides, you know, the people behind closed doors. We have no idea what to expect from him. He got a lot of shit for the playoffs last year. Even though it was only four games, he got a lot of shit. Or five, he played a total of five games. He had a yeah. bad division series. 
This is set up for him perfectly for a redemption story. Come back the last couple weeks or of the season. to get buried. I don't know. Because if he comes back and struggles, he can just use the injury excuse. If he comes back and plays well and carries the Yankees, doesn't even have to carry them, but just contributes in a major way to a deep playoff run or a World Series run, that flips the narrative completely on him and the, and the playoffs from last year. He definitely has an opportunity to flip the script, I think, with a lot of fans. Um, but, and, and you, I mean, you're talking about that he could maybe even use the, the, the narrative of the injury if he struggles. I mean, honestly, I think that there's a lot of blame is going to go on management as well if he struggles, saying that he wasn't, this wasn't something that they should have rushed back uh, to just because who he is to get back. Like, I could see that whole playing out, not to say that I agree with that. I would but maybe I see agree with that if you had a healthy Hicks and a healthy Mike Talkman, and you're like, yeah. okay, we'll start Gardner in left field, Hicks in center field, judge, and then have Talkman as the backup. But that's not what we have right now. Right. No, we have Cameron Mabin and Tyler Wade. And, and Clint Frazier. Uh, and Clint Frazier, yeah. Give me Stanton. No. <laughs> like, oh, a thousand percent. Like, I, look, I, I, let, me, let me redo it. I, I mean, I, I really, it's hard for me to rank those because you're putting, but if you're, put, if you're putting a gun to my head, um, but because of left field, I think you're, you're, you're making me change my mind because of the left field play and the difference between Stanton and the next guy and uh, Encarnacion and the next guy. There's definitely a bigger drop off in left field. Right. But Gary Sanchez being the starting catcher. Thousand percent. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, and so just like another couple close calls in this, Tommy Canely slamming his hand on the bubble gum and then uh, after he struggled and Judge banging into the right field wall. Just like those were a couple close calls too in that doubleheader. Just happy to get out of there with a couple wins and, uh, and nothing disastrous for, to those two guys. Um, and then even, even over the weekend too, you see Glaber come up looking a little little funky on his leg after a play in uh in in the hole of short god like he started limping it looked like i was like oh man like don't take labor from us the gods cannot take labor from us too yeah he was on my too damn much he was on my never sits list yeah this is uh so yeah i'm I'm just i'm I'm, every time anybody's limping or or like you know walking funny or doing anything you, you you start thinking the worst Tanaka was not great again. Uh, five innings, four runs, eight hits. So let me quickly run down all of his starts since July 31st, which is the start after he gave up 12 runs at Fenway. Because I know you don't like when I bring that up. I, th- I know you get sensitive about it, and I don't want to upset you. So uh, he pitched four innings and gave up two runs against the Diamondbacks. The Yankees won that game. At Baltimore, five and a third, five earned runs. The Yankees still won that game. Toronto, eight innings pitched, no earned runs. He looked dominant. Yankees obviously won that game. Home against Cleveland, six and a third, two runs. Great start against a good team. Yankees win. In Oakland, bad start, six innings, five runs. Yankees lost. Then against a bad team, Seattle, seven innings, no runs. Yankees win. That was a that was a fellow countryman showdown. Uh, Yeah, it's Kikuchi. Kikuchi. Texas, home. He pitched okay. Didn't have his best stuff, but I actually was impressed that he battled in this game. This was, I think, on Labor Day during after like a three-hour rain delay. So Yankees lost the game. He wasn't that bad, though. And then his last two starts at Boston, four innings, four runs. At Toronto, five innings, four runs. Like, I, I think there's enough. We've seen enough with Tanaka to know that, yes, he is capable of pitching seven shutout innings or six and a third, two runs against a good lineup. But most of his starts are not good. Well, I don't think most of his starts. I'd say it's about 
it's pretty damn close to 50-50. But this yeah, is just since July 31st. I know. Well, where, when he's been it. better since before July 31st. This is better than he was in the first half of the season. And you still have littered in here five innings, five runs, six innings, five runs. Against Baltimore, five and a third innings, five runs. Like, I'm not confident in Tanaka. I'm not saying he will suck in the playoffs, but I'm not confident in what I'm going to get out of him. I mean, I think there's two guys that, that are giving anybody confidence right now, and one of them may not even be a starting pitcher. <laughs> I mean, Herman's definitely one of the guys that, that I think brings people confidence, and Paxton right now absolutely brings confidence. But, um, yeah, I mean, Tanaka, you, you ha- this is what we're hopeful. This is what we hope for. Good Tanaka shows up. Playoff Tanaka shows up. The gamer Tanaka shows up. The one that, that shows up against um, fellow countrymen or – you know, against uh, uh, just big moments, you see this guy come up and and step up with the ball and, and want to take the ball and deliver. And that's what we're hoping for. I don't know. The numbers are what they are. He's been good and he's been bad. And he's been average and he's been really bad. And then he's been dominant and then he's been okay. We don't know what to expect from him except for the fact that I think he's got new confidence with that, uh, a changed grip. I still think there's it's it's wishy washy as far as like what he feels on a given day, um, but when it's going well, I think it's uh it's it's better for him at this point in in the season, and we do know that he nuts up for the playoffs, <laughs> and that's it. I mean I don't know. There's no metric that anybody can find that's gonna give me any confidence besides the fact that I've seen him before nut up in the playoffs, and that's what I go for. I'm expecting that. I'm expecting a oh, big game You're pitcher. expecting that. Yes, I'm, I'm going to expect him to perform well. Of course I am. Okay. I'm not expecting him to shit the bed. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to tell you? This is, I, I, don't, I, I have a hard time looking at these numbers. I just, I've, I've seen what he's done in the past. I know what, he, what he's like in big moments. And for whatever reason, in those big moments, I expect it. Okay, I don't expect so him to get shelled. I, I expect him to keep us in the game, similar to what we saw in 2016 in the wild card game, right? We all knew that he wasn't going to come out and dominate that game. I mean, we knew that he the, only gave up two runs. I if he only but, gives up two runs in a playoff game this year. That's right. more than But that's what, what we expected. We expected that, and we were still talking about we're going to lose the game because our offense was dog shit. Well, that was that a completely different team, a completely different scenario. I know, but what we saw, we knew that, that um, Tanaka was going to keep us in that game. I feel like that was a that was one of those known. But known Tanaka was a much better pitcher in 2015 than he was this year. I understand that, but again, he's he when the when the um, when the lights shine shine the brightest, and all of the televisions are on in Japan as well because they will be. He's going to perform at his best. What time is it in Japan when there's an eight o'clock? It doesn't matter. They watch playoff East games. Game. Maybe it's a maybe it's a, a simulcast. Listen, you know I get what? it. It'll be on. I get where you're coming from, and that's what most fans are banking on is the fact that. Tanaka is a postseason pitcher, and he has been in 17, and he had a good start against the Red Sox last year in the uh, only game that they won against them. But I put more weight into these numbers that I've seen this season than I do what he did in 2017 because yeah. that's just logic. So I'm not saying, again, <laughs> not, that's just logic. I mean, but, it, but as well, I mean, again, we're looking at since July 31st, you're looking at almost a 50-50 shot of him coming out and doing well. So your logic is telling you, that he's got a 50-50 shot in doing well? Yeah, that doesn't give me much confidence because it's that- not just a 50-50 shot. I mean, it's a 50-50 shot against a crap uh, in a, large, a lot of these teams. Look at the games he pitched well in. Yeah. Who are the opponents? 
Not playoff um, teams. Not playoff caliber teams. Okay. Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland is the only one. Toronto okay. has a good lineup. He got beat up. He got beat up. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So split the difference on the Toronto starts because he get, he pitched eight innings and gave up no runs and then five innings and four runs. So what is but that? Don't you don't you also inning, look at these numbers start? and don't you look at also also look at these numbers and, and understand that it shows you absolutely nothing? Like we're all we're all now looking at nothing at the end of the day. We're looking it, at these no. stats and they're and they're fifty fifty and some days he's good, some days he's bad. So what does that tell us? I, pff, Again, no that idea. just comes back to how. how the confidence level that you have. And my confidence level in a Yankee starting pitcher means jack shit for what actually is going to exactly. happen. Exactly. Right. But, but for the sake of our discussion and our yeah. listeners, I'm not confident in Tanaka, whereas I'm very confident in handing the ball to James Paxson right now. So that, this is where my confidence meter goes. When, when I see a guy that does well on a given day and then does not uh, struggles on another given day, and I also know that I've seen him um, – Step up and, and really take the ball on, on a big game, and that knowing bumps it up for you. That that's big like time. The, that's Absolutely. the tiebreaker because the, and it, and it all goes down to the to the fact that I believe in my heart. I believe in big game players. I believe in pressure. I believe in those types of situations bring out different performances from different players. I do analytics, too. analytics does not believe that. So that's that's a, there's a very big <laughs> difference between what I look for analytics. I think analytics has a very big place, and I and I don't. I don't shit on them like I used to, but at the same time, I don't. I don't look at them for for situations like this, especially when they don't tell me anything. Let me ask you a question: If Tanaka goes out in Game Two of the Division Series and gets lit up, he gives up yeah. five runs in four innings. Yeah. Did he fail because he's not a he doesn't have the the um, the nuts to go out there and pitch a big game, or did he fail because he's just not been a good pitcher this year? I mean, he failed on that given day because he didn't have a good stuff and he didn't pitch well. Right. It has nothing to do with the fact that he can or can't handle big pressure. We know he can handle big pressure. But I don't expect that. That's my point. Uh, again, we're talking about expectations. We're not talking about anything else but expectations, right? So my expectations are that he's, I'm gonna, we're going to get a quality start out of Masahiro Tanaka in the playoffs. Right. That's my expectation. All right. Um, another guy I'm kind of getting worried about is Adovino out of the bullpen for a big spot because of the walks and innings can just get away from him. Like an inning got away from him on Friday where he walked to and had a balk. And that was a big difference maker in that game. Yeah. Yeah. The balk was a mental error too. I mean, you know, he was trying to explain it at the end of the, uh, after the game to uh, Meredith was asking him questions about that. And um, I don't know, his answer was strange to me. It was just like, it was very almost like he was trying to like not admit that he did it, but then yeah. I mean, box got to be like one of the most embarrassing things as a starting pitcher. Yeah, right? I, I, that's maybe that's what it was. Maybe he was just embarrassed because of it. Because I mean, it was clear he he didn't step off the back of the rubber when right. he was make a move. He stepped on the rubber. Uh, he meant to step off the back, but didn't step on the rubber. It it's was just a, like something you a do error. a million times correctly, and then you do it incorrectly. Like, like there was an uncertainty in his head, I think, and and <clears throat> and it played out with his feet. Have you ever like come to an intersection? It's like you know, you stop at the stop sign and the guy to the right goes and then you go around in order, but like you just have a brain fart and you go out of order and you feel like an asshole. I feel like yeah. that's kind of what like a balk is. Like you okay. balk. Yeah. You balk sure. at an intersection and everyone else is like flipping you off because you're the jackass who yeah, yeah. went out but of order. You take it like, yeah, I, I yeah. deserve that. I deserve that. But it's finger. embarrassing. You're like, uh, head down like, sorry guys, sorry. Almost caused an accident. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's probably I, I, that's pretty close to what he what he was like in the uh, post game as well. So it's you know I, I think that um, he has been erratic with his walks. I think when he's not on, you see that frisbee coming across, and it's a lot more hittable as well. Uh, I think guys can see it 
much better too. I think the the um the batters can see it when he's not when he's not sharp. When he's sharp, he's freaking nasty. Um, but there's a big difference. Well, even between... when he gives up runs, it's not because he gets hit hard. Yeah. It's because he puts himself in trouble and then he might give up one hit. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. The, and the the walks are, are a problem with him. Um. Again, it's just one of those situations where you have to you, you look at the player, you look at where where he's been in the uh, the good times. And I just tend to go that way. I don't expect meltdowns or bad situations. Well, this is a good segue into having Batances back. Um, because when you're thinking about the bullpen hierarchy and uh, leverage, what you're going to do for who's going to get the ball in the highest leverage situations in, in, in the big moments in the playoffs. We know Chapman is going to be the closer. He's been largely good all season. But if Batances can come back and be work up to being the Dallin Batances that we've known for five, six, seven years at this point. Where does he fall in the bullpen hierarchy? Does he take position uh, for over Britain, over Adovino, over Canley in high leverage situations? Because I think that's, I think he could. Oh, I definitely think he could. I mean, today you'd see him come out and I know it was kind of strange because he only threw eight pitches. Uh, that like was that very was, bizarre. Well, maybe he, it was a two, maybe they were just trying to get him out there for two batters. I, I don't know. But sure. Okay. The, but, but he struck out both guys. Yeah. You know? no, and, we're, and, we're, and we're looking at Dellen Batances doing his thing. He and thought he was, there was a third third out. He even had like a little uh, little like oh haven't played baseball in a long time uh, moment, which I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, you know, I think if he shows that he's healthy and and he's and he's good and that velocity starts creeping up because that's the next thing we need to see. We need to see that velocity continuing to creep up. So. Then, then I think he's going to be a, a real option anywhere anywhere in the bullpen. I was thinking about this as I was watching him throw 94, 95-mile-an-hour paint today. Yeah. Do we want him to throw 99 again? Because he's yeah. not as accurate with his fastball normally. I know this was I, just one eight pitches, okay? So I'm yeah. basing anything on eight pitches is stupid. But if he's more control... Because his fastball is his second best pitch. He's he's when he gets in trouble, it's the because he can't he can't command his fastball. And right. Then he's only throwing his curveball, and it's the only pitch he can throw for strikes, and a hitter can sit on that. Yeah. But what if he can command his fastball better at ninety five than ninety eight miles an hour? Is that a better Dylan Batances? Um, it might. Be. I don't necessarily. Well, I don't. First of all, I think that I think that he just his arm needs to get to the point where it's. it's he coming even out said my arm's not no fully issue. back up to strength yet. And so when you're you're talking about. Um, him being better right now at that speed. Well, if his arm is not where it needs to be and he's still throwing at 100% effort, it's, what's the difference? It's just a matter of when he's right, it's going to come out hotter, right? So he's still yeah, throwing yeah, at sure. at max effort. So it's the same thing. Yep. So no, I want 98 mile an hour. For, uh, I want, you know, 98 to 100 miles per hour. All right, you won that argument. Check. We'll move <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, Monty also uh, made his season debut, did not look as good as Batances, uh, left a couple balls up in the zone, got hit hard for contact. He was um, interviewed before the game, and he said, my arm is almost back to strength pre-injury, but then he also said, I have a new arm. Yeah, so, it feels like he has a new arm. It's pretty <clears throat> funny. Yeah. I don't think he's a factor for the playoffs. Um, I just think it's hap- I think everyone's happy he's back for the season. He worked his way back this season, but I don't think he's going to be a factor for the playoffs. Uh, pro- probably not the ALDS, but I think Cohn made a really good point today when they were talking in the broadcast when they were uh, talking about Montgomery is that he's got two weeks now, right, to, to come out and throw and um, and you know however they're going to use him. You know maybe they maybe they look at him as an option 
uh, of a lefty out of the pen. I mean, they used him as a uh, as a guy after Chad Green today. Yeah, that's which another I thing I didn't understand. Well, I, they changed that too because he was slated to start, and then they they so, changed it up. And Boone said, "I'm bringing him in in the second inning because I want him to get a clean inning and have it as close to being a start as possible." So then, why not just start him? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But they didn't. They used him out of the pen and. However, again, maybe he's looking at different things. But the thing is, so when we're looking at him now for the rest of the season, he's going to um, obviously be building up, and we're going to see what we have from him as far as the uh, the results. Um, but I thought Cole made a good point where maybe he doesn't play into the ALDS. It's a shorter series, but he's going to be ready and continue to throw. And you know, who's if he's he going to throw to? Well, it doesn't matter. Who's he, he going to pitch against? It doesn't matter. You're keeping the guy up. You're keeping him doing sim games. You're keeping his arm at a certain point. I think it that matters matter a little bit for a guy who has basically limited. Let me make the point here. The point is, is that you're having a guy that's stretched out and ready to go. If there's an injury, or if you see somebody go down, yeah. or if you see, um, you know, maybe someone's not pitching well out of the pen, and you think that the way that Montgomery's been throwing the ball could be a better option at that point, or, or it gives you a different dynamic because he can be stretched out more than certain guys. So I think that what he's doing now is not only showing what he can be, because I think that there's, you know, an outside chance that he could sneak in somewhere if he, uh, if he thro- throws the ball really well and they love what they see and he, you know, they think he's totally healthy. Uh, I think it's an outside chance, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's also a very good opportunity for him to show that he can be a contributor if somebody were to go down. And I think that's that's a real possibility. Yeah, because you're looking at either him, uh, you you would you would throw the into the bucket. You'd throw uh, CC Hap and Jordan Montgomery at that point. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell. Even though I we think just, Hap's going to be on the lineup uh, on the roster no matter what. Yeah, depending on this bicep issue. Well, if the health, if healthy. Um, it's tough because if Montgomery is like you said, you laid out the scenario. He he's just building up arm strength over the next few weeks, and then in the ALCS. He's back where he's like, you know what? My arm's feeling pretty good. I feel, I feel closer to like how I would at the end of a spring training. Yeah. Then that's a tough decision. Do you go with Montgomery, who really hasn't had any major league game action this year, or do you go with Sabathia? Because either way, it's just a, it's a, just yeah. a, it's just an emergency situation. Each one can, I think, provide different sorts of um, value. Sabathia yeah. might have better for one inning in a, in a pinch that you need to get some big outs or a couple outs in a playoff situation. But if you're in an extra inning game, maybe Montgomery can give you five better innings than Sabathia could. Yeah, or if you have to, you know, deplete your bullpen or your bullpen on a, on a couple of days, you know, maybe you need a, a spot starter out there or who knows, maybe you, you had to bring in somebody um, in relief, like you said, like, like kind of an extra inning scenario, and it wasn't one of those guys, but you now you need one of them to, to go distance um, in another game. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you're bringing in, if you're thinking about that scenario and you're looking at an old very unhealthy guy with a balky knee or a guy with a new arm that's, you know, 24 years old, however old he is, uh, that, that has, that, that's shown that he can pitch well at the major league level. You know, I, going back to my, going back to my, pro, my thought process of, of having a guy not up and being the experienced guy out there. I love Sabathia, but I think it's very different when you see a guy that's, that's extremely hobbled, um, you know, going into the playoffs and whether, whether or not he's, you know, he can, stay healthy uh, from now until then, to me, is still a question mark as well. Because uh, at any moment, that knee could go out. Any moment. Yes, flashed up his uh, 2017 numbers, uh, Montgomery, like yeah. uh, during the game. 
I kind of just forgot like how valuable he was to the 2017. Yeah, he had a really good year. Didn't we look it up and like he had a very comparable year to Michael Fulmer, who had Rookie of the Year the year prior. Yeah, um, yeah, it was I from like a pitcher value standpoint. The guy was he was a uh, he was one that we definitely didn't. Was that the year that he uh, was a surprise? He was, he was a surprise in 2017. Yeah, he made the, he got the he won the starting job out of spring training uh, as the fifth starter. What year did Chase Headley get traded? After it's, 2015. Or, after sorry, fifth. not after two, after 2017. Because he was on the 2017 playoff run. And oh, then 17, they offloaded okay. him before the 2018 season. All right. Um, Why? Uh, I was thinking of, um, what's his face? The, in the Chase Headley trade. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Brian Mitchell. Brian, Brian Mitchell, thank you. Yeah, Brian Mitchell, who... You know, was I think a guy he might that, have been in that 2017 fifth starter battle. Well, that's the thing. He can't. I remember him getting battle or getting out of spring training, and then got or he got injured. It was at the end of spring training, and he was going to win that fifth job. And didn't he didn't. get gout? Did he have like gout or something? No, no, no. I think uh, I don't remember what it was. Brian Mitchell had I, like I, I a, tried to. I tried to. I tried to get a lot of that out of my memory. Chase. I think Brian that, Mitchell had gout or turf toe. He had turf toe. Brian Mitchell yeah, had turf toe, turf toe. And, and gout. Are, uh, gout are different. They're both toe injuries. Gout is is like you know you eat too much meat and beer. Yeah, you have too much cholesterol. Yeah, too, mu- is, too many too is, many lobster rolls. Turf toe is actually like a torn ligament in your foot. Yeah, okay, they're both toe injuries. So I was in the right ballpark. Um, before we get to mailbags, I want to tell you guys about CBS Sports HQ. I think we're all aware that sports TV nowadays is full of made up drama, beating the same topics into the ground, and hot takes from people who don't even believe what they're saying. CBS Sports HQ is here to change all that. It is a network that streams live 24-7, and they have coverage that's focused on just the game. So often now, Scott, what do you hear? Like, what's a common thing in sports, sports talk? Is it just stick to sports? I don't want to hear any other crap because there's a lot of crap sometimes, and some people just want to hear about the sports. This is where CBS Sports HQ comes in. They bring you the latest news, highlights, previews, and reactions uh, to all of the on-field action, their fantasy sports experts will give you the info you need to make the right calls for your lineup, and their betting experts will help you cash in on your wagers. There's no fake debates, no politics, just sports for real sports fans. The best news of all is it is free. I don't mean free for a week or free for a month. You do not need a special cable package or anything like that. It is just totally and completely free to everybody. All you need to do is log in. Tell people what they need to do, Scott. Just open the CBS Sports app and watch anytime from anywhere on your phone or at home on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV device. It could not be any easier. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. And uh, we do have mailbag questions coming up. Uh, You want to give a playoff ticket update? We've got, uh, I know, some people, a bunch of people sending in emails, DMs, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm trying to, uh, we're going to send it today. We're recording this on Sunday evening. Um, we're going to send out an email, uh, either tonight or tomorrow morning. So check your email boxes if you have not gotten one, um, and look around if you're not getting it, if you have a Gmail account as well, check the, uh, the promotions tab sometimes because we use a, um, uh, like email marketing software so that we can send emails to everybody at the same time. Uh, sometimes that goes into the, the promotions tab if you're on Gmail. So check it out, look in spam, like all those things. And then, um, just, you know, either make it safe or, 
uh, add info at bronxpinstripes.com as a contact and then should be able to get all the emails with no issues. Um, but if you are having troubles getting emails, please email, email us at info at bronxpinstripes.com so that we know and we can look into it um, and we can make sure that everything gets whitelisted and all that. But as far as uh, playoff update, so the, the t-shirt design is happening right now. I'm actually ordering all of the t-shirts this week, so we'll have them uh, probably about a week early, which is good. And then um, we've gotten a, a bunch of emails about seating, uh, you know, seating requests and things like that. And a lot of people, you know, made notes in their in their uh, uh, at checkout for that as well. So I just want you to know that we are we have all the emails. We're we're doing that this week. Um, so please don't, you know, continue to email. We there's I have a ton of emails. So it's being taken care of. If you email me, I got it, and uh, and we will we will definitely. Um, you know, make sure that we can accommodate as many people. 472 tickets. So we're, you know, there may be some that we may not when when it comes down to it. Um, but we will try our damnedest to to get everybody. And we usually are able to get, you know, if you're not right next to each other, we'll stack people or put them very close. Um, so we can usually figure it out. The other thing I just wanted to mention quickly is I know there's been I've seen a lot of bitching and complaining about on Twitter and social media about tickets. Period. One, I told you so. If you didn't get tickets, I told you so. Uh, the, the the fact is the Yankees have there's a different type of of uh, of the way that they're purchasing tickets now for or selling tickets, and it's a sliding scale. So what that means is every time a ticket is sold or how, whatever the uh, the multiplier is, uh, the remaining tickets get more expensive, and it tears up. It's a sliding scale based on supply and demand. And when that happens, my prediction was going to be that these ticket brokers, these bots that they have go into these ticket sites, were going to come in hot and heavy. And I think they did. I think they came in big time and fast because a lot of people did not get tickets. That's what I'm seeing. A lot of people did not get tickets. So um, just for, so you know what's happening for the rest of the playoffs on our end. Uh, All of our tickets are sold out for this game. That's that, that, that is pretty much done. Um, ALCS and world series home games won. And again, obviously they have to advance. The nice thing about what we're doing is if they advance, that's when we will make these tickets available to people. They're not going to be buying them. They're going to go very fast. They're going to go fast. You're not buying them ahead of time. You're not putting down payments down. You're not putting uh, money down and then us giving you money back if they don't advance. We're not messing with that. If they advance, the tickets will go up on sale, you know, probably the next morning. And when that happens, um, we have 225 tickets for home game one and home game two of the ALCS and also of the World Series. And again, these will be going on sale and they will be released as the Yankees advance through the playoffs. So I know people are asking, hey, are you, can I get tickets to you guys if I don't get my ALCS and you know pay for the ALCS tickets now? Because right now you have to, if you go through the Yankees, you got to do a package. Um, so the answer is yes. If you are able to get the tickets through us, uh, we will mail it out. Again, BP crew, people have come to events uh, on the regular season. We'll have priority. And then from there, we will open it up to all the people that um, came to the ALDS. And then from there, we'll open it up to everybody else. I don't expect it to get past that, though. Um, so... So that's that's the answer. I just want everybody to, to, to fully understand like what we're doing with the tickets and how that's going to work. I don't have pricing yet, um, but soon we will release all that. Once I get the ALDS squared away and Colleen and I get all the seating stuff out and then we all transfer it over, then we'll um, you know we'll kind of move on to that. But I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. All right, let's do some mailbag questions. First up is from Dustin. On last week's show, Scott and Andrew suggested that Guardy hitting 20-plus home runs isn't exciting or noteworthy. I'm just watching him hit I another... How I, got lumped, I don't know how I got lumped into that, but... I'm just ahead. watching him hit another two against the Blue Jays. How many home runs would he need to hit in order to take notice? At what point does he go beyond the juice balls and we start to agree that he's turning back the clock? So, 
Dustin, I think, misunderstood. I know this was all my argument. It wasn't necessarily Yes, it had nothing argument. to do with me. I didn't say and, Guardy and for hitting... those of you who can't uh, tell our voices apart, yeah. Scott had nothing to do with it. I didn't say Guardy hitting 20-plus is not significant for Brett Gardner. I said that 20-plus home runs is not really as impressive anymore from just a larger perspective in baseball because there's many more people hitting 20 home runs than there ever were in baseball before that was my point because baseballs are up uh, baseballs are juiced and home runs are up year over year but Brett Gardner is having a a career year power wise people are saying he's turning back the clock that's that's actually it's funny because he's not he's not he's having a very productive season and it's fantastic and the biggest thing the most impressive thing for Brett Gardner this year is not his 25 home runs. It's that he hasn't really gotten injured. I am knocking on literally every surface of wood in my apartment. But because we've seen him break down time and time again in the second half of seasons, and it has not happened this year. And he's been durable, and he's been a team leader. He's been, uh, he's always he's been, been phenomenal. A, he's always been an emotional team leader. We, he's been slamming the bat on the dugout. Like he's, he's had a great season. 25 home runs. It's fantastic. His slugging percentage is at career levels. But all of his higher, other higher numbers... Bryce Harper. All of his other numbers are either the same or worse than he was for his entire career. Batting average, on-base percentage, strikeout percentage, K percentage, or uh, walk percentage. Everything is pretty much Brett Gardner, except he's hitting more home runs because of the juice baseball. So fine. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You can you enjoy it, and and the exactly the turning back the clock thing. I mean it's an approach. I think he's had, he has a different approach now as well. I think there's, I, I think also yeah, because he's he knows he can hit home runs. Exactly, he knows that that ball is flying further, and if he gets a, a little bit more launch angle on his swing or however he's, um, you know, getting to that point, getting the barrel to the point where he thinks he can uh, hit home runs, he's doing that and he's taking advantage of it, and good for him. You know, maybe it's maybe it's uh, it's less running on the on you know full speed and sliding into bags and more trotting around the bags keeps his legs better keeps him healthier. Who knows? But uh, it's not. I I also think part of your argument was like, well, you know what? Brett Gardner's hitting twenty five home runs, so that kind of plays into the fact that everybody's doing. It. If Brett Gardner's yep. also hitting home runs, then you know that there's something else going on in baseball. It's not like we haven't talked about this. Everybody and their brother has talked about this to nauseam. We get it. The balls are juiced. I think it's fun seeing Brett Gardner do this, and I do think it's an approach thing for him. I think he's changed his swing a little bit so that he can uh, elevate the ball a little bit more, and he's trying to do that more now. So um, good for him. Take advantage of what's of what the playing surface is today. I looked up his um, – I was comparing his slugging percentage this season. It's at like 480-something. That's basically Bernie Williams' career slugging percentage. Is Brett Gardner Bernie Williams offensively? No. no. So, like, it's, it's, it's the balls, but fine. Among AL outfielders, he ranks 8th in Fangraphs War, 12th in WRC+, and he's tied for 12th in home runs. He's third on the team in home runs, behind only Gary and Glaber. Granted, injuries have something to do with that as well. As far right, as the he's got more home runs than he's got more home runs than Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, Luke Voigt, Edward Encarnacion. Like, no one thinks Brett Gardner is a better home run hitter than any of those people, huh? Encarnacion, no. Home, Yankees home runs. Yankees home runs. Okay. Uh, so I, I mean, first of all, I don't think it's only the juice balls. I mean, you, I think there's, there, there's a level of credit to Brett Gardner that has to be given to him that he's changed his approach. I think his approach is different. I think you're seeing, you're seeing, um, maybe you're not seeing the, uh, the same numbers as far as walks and such, but you're 
the reason you're not seeing that, I think, is because you're seeing him potentially swing at different types of balls. Maybe he's looking at a high fastball and he's and he's looking at that as a juicy steak right now instead of, you know, spitting on it. I think there's different things that he's doing. I think his approach is different. And I think it's his adjustment to what's happening in baseball right now. And you've got to applaud that. The guy's adjusting to what's happening in baseball. So, of course, you know, that's a that's a great adjustment from a veteran player. And he's staying hot, knocking on wood, everything as totally. well. Like, the guy is, is doing what he yeah. needs to do. They need him so desperately we're to stay healthy. We're so in trouble. If he is their only injured. center fielder. Right. So Tyler Wade's legitimately going to be the starting center fielder if he gets hurt. Uh, that's happening. I still, I still stand that it would be Judge. And well, who's going to play right? It's still having the same problem. They would put, they would put if Stanton's healthy, Stanton in right, and then Clint Frazier, <laughs> Clint Frazier in left. Man, I tell you what, like. I'm watching him even uh, more closely like everybody else is. Even, even some of the balls that are even on the ground. Like there was a ball that was, go, uh, it was on the ground. It was past the first base and was going into foul territory in right field. And it, he's just like running past it. Like he has no idea what he looks. He looks so uncoordinated out there at times and lost. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is with him. It's really strange. It's got to be mental. I don't know what it is, man. He looks lost out there. He really looks like a, like a guy that does not belong in the outfield at the major league level. Um, all right, next question is from Ryan Rorig. There has been a lot of talk over the years, over the last few years, about how Rothschild has done a terrible job. Shouldn't we acknowledge that Paxton's recent dominance is not due exclusively to him, but because Rothschild got Paxton to change his pitch mix and throw more curveballs? What about Herman? Is his consistent curveball throwing just an accident? Rothschild deserves some credit for these successes and not just the bad things. So that's pretty your, much the life of a coach, coaching, isn't it? Yeah, coaching, manager, like any sport, anywhere. When things are going well, you tend to ignore them because the players are playing well, right? And that's who's doing it. But if everything's bad, well, the players can't do that. Why aren't the coaches fixing it? They're the coaches for a reason. You should fix these players. That's your job. What are you doing? So, no. it's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's been... I think he's been uh, probably given way too much blame in the past, and and whether I think he's probably you know pretty similar in the in the the results factor of what he's been doing. I think he works tirelessly with these guys. They all have nothing but good things to say about him, and it's been like that for for years. It's not like anybody's really from the inside has said a negative thing about Larry Rothschild. That hasn't happened. It's always been on the outside and speculation. So, I think the guy we know what his his he's got a different philosophy than other people. Whether that ro- works well with a given player, <laughs> that's another gray. That's another question. Yeah, because or, or doesn't Paxton came over from the Mariners with his four seam fastball being his most used pitch, and he actually increased that this year in in the first half of the season, and it was very confusing. It's like, well, Rothschild and the Yankees pitching philosophy is a more emphasis on off speed pitches, and we were. I remember the discussion we had when the Yankees traded for Paxton. What are they going to do with this guy? Because he's a four-seam fastball pitcher, and that's how he's been successful throughout his career. Are they going to try and change him? And then he, he went the other way, and he actually got worse. And it, it's not until recently where he started to throw the similar pitch mix that he was throwing in Seattle with still heavily four-seam fastballs but working in more curveballs and less cutters that uh, he's had better success. So is that him just saying, hey, I'm going to go back to what I was doing prior to the Yankees is that Rothschild saying hey this is what you used to do let's go back to that let's test something out like who, who the hell knows we're never probably gonna know but um 
Paxton's whole evolution has been weird because the opposite happened than what we thought would happen when they got him. Well, and I also think he's he's found a, a hap, you know some some good pitch mixes with um, with the way that he's changing speeds. I think that you're seeing some different things in that regard as well. Like he's his fastball has got a couple different speeds. He can he can throw a, a 94, 95 mile an hour fastball, and then he can ramp it up past um, you know up into uh, the the high 90s. And then you're seeing you know some of the off speed stuff. You're seeing some really good splits on the um, on the speeds uh, on the differences between the two pitches. So I think he's showing a lot of things, and he's changing levels, and he's whatever for for whatever the the concoction of pitches, the the repertoire, the, the arsenal, the right the right mix. Uh, he's found it, I think, and I think that that brings confidence to a pitcher knowing that you can throw, you know, the um, the three to four pitches that you can throw at, at different. Uh, for strikes, and you can throw the the fastball a little different. You can throw a couple different breaking balls, and you're getting good, um, you know, good repetition out of your mechanics, and then good speed split. So, I think it's a lot of confidence too, and and that he's found the right mix of pitching. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he's it, throwing strikes, and he's throwing strikes because early in the season as well, he was not locating the fastball well, and and he's been he's been throwing a lot more strikes and locating it and working ahead. Because when we saw a couple early dominant outings from him this year, he was working ahead. He was like, wow. We saw a few of them. We're like, this is the guy, and then all of a sudden he disappeared. Well, he got into had a little bit of problems. against Toronto over the weekend, 101 pitches in five innings. Yeah, but I mean, you're looking at that, and you even listen to what he was talking about at the end of the game in the postseason or in the post uh, post game interview, and he admitted that he didn't have his best stuff, and he was grinding through it, and it just yeah. wasn't as easy on that given day. That happens. Of course, it happens. But the mark of a good pitcher is not letting that. Instead of that being three innings, six runs, it's five innings, one run. Yes. Uh, last question is Julio. He says, I have two questions, one for Mr. Dr. Reinen. In the past offseason, we saw videos of Yankees players while training. They all, look, um, they all look in the best shape of their lives, and yet almost everyone has been hurt. These athletes have access to probably the best nutrition and training programs. Why do you think today's athletes seem to be more injury prone? The other question is for Andrew. Would you please take care of Scott? He is saying, quote, that's stupid very often, and I'm concerned that he's getting to the get-off-my-lawn phase prematurely. You're almost forty, so I think that's just natural. That's natural yeah, I, aging. I feel like I'm in a yeah. I feel like I'm in the right slot here. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let me address a few things here. The uh, best shape of their lives thing. I mean, that happens every single year. I, I I think a lot of people are blaming the training staff for for these injuries. We've 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 gone through this. I don't blame the training staff for a lot of this stuff. I think a lot none, of these things are none. I mean. Maybe some, a little, but I mean, not. you got to blame the training staff for misdiagnosis, not doing MRIs. Okay, that different. that type of stuff. Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. That when we're looking at misdiagnosing, when we're looking at not doing, not taking MRIs uh, of uh, you know your best pitcher's arm before they come and start their throwing regimen again. Yes, those are bad mistakes. That's not them like being a bad trainer uh, in the in the way that they're like dealing with someone's body that's just stupid stuff but like that's they've bad. had that's more injuries offenses. they've had more injuries than i've ever seen on a baseball team is that is that just unlucky this year or should the yankees reevaluate their medical staff and their training regimen and their flexibility pliability all this different crap to get players ready for 180 days of baseball so I don't think that hurts at all. I think you could re- you can certainly examine what you did and and then you know look at all the different injuries and see if you can find any um, any things that are 
connected or, or that you think you can fix. Like they should do that every year. They should look to see where they are. They should look to see maybe who's performing well and who's not, or, or you know, if there were some incompetencies along the way, then, then do what you got to do. But, um, but there's a lot to, of injuries. There's a that, lot of people working on these guys. It's not just one or two people. There's multiple people. Not to mention they all have their own people that they're working on. And then also, I think something that people forget during a season in baseball, it's not, it's not as it's a long season. It's a the majority of the year, like the actual calendar year, that these guys are not working out. They're they're doing stretching. They're doing the plyos. There, but a lot of them don't work out in season. A lot no, of them but you can can't be, work out. You. There's different um, types of phys- of physical fitness for different types of um, sure different types of sports, different types of activities. Like you, you if you're if you're a linebacker, you need to be strong and you need to be able to tackle people. So you need to be able to bench press a lot of weight. Do you need to yeah, do that? You, you also do need you also need to have uh, healthy hamstrings and knees I know that, and but, but you know what I'm saying. But like, do you need that in in baseball? No, I mean there are string beans that are that that are, that are Hall of Famers. There are guys that have never lifted a weight in their entire life that are in the Hall of Fame. So it, baseball is different in that capacity. Where you there, basketball is a similar way. Like, do you think that um, Kevin Durant has lifted a weight in his life? Couldn't he not put up uh, one on the uh, bench press at was, the, at I don't the NBA thing? But I mean, the, I mean, but it doesn't matter. Clearly, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Like a lot of these, a lot of guys. You see, I mean, look at David Wells. Guy's not in the in the in the in the gym very often, you know. But he can do what he his body's different and, and it and it bends in certain ways, and he's got a rubber arm and like things like that. So yes, I think there's there's things that you can do to maintain and to um to keep. I think it changes on every different player. I don't think we've seen a lot of consistency in these injuries. I think that well, you're looking at a guy like Hicks, and you see so, a, a a laundry list of injuries that this guy. How does a trainer prevent that? No, but so a lot of these some some injuries are unavoidable, like Encarnacion getting hit by a pitch on the hand and him fracturing his wrist. You cannot avoid that happening. But then there's other injuries, like Aaron Hicks with the back injury, uh, Judge and now Encarnacion with the oblique, Voigt with the core injury, Gary Sanchez with two groin issues this year. Like a lot of these feel like they might be preventable. How are you supposed to? How are you supposed to? After Gary Sanchez has an initial groin injury, and then he's rehabbing and trying to and doing all the stretching and as much as he can, how how are you supposed to prevent a re-injury when it's it's obviously an area that is prone to getting re-injured? And I gotta believe that the percentages go up once you injure that that soft tissue or you you know at that point during the year. I, I don't know. What, what that looks like. But I got to believe it's more prone to injury at that point, right? There are certain things that are. And I don't know how you prevent that as a trainer in yeah. season. You probably, if you're the trainer, you probably say, hey, you know, I'm not the manager, but I might tell him not to steal a bag. Even then, like little fluky things could have, could have done, uh, could have, you know, affected his groin area. I don't know. It's just a lot of these injuries, to, are, a lot of these injuries to me, not all of them, seem like, the medical staff needs some has some explaining to do. You got some explaining to do. They, I mean, they they should audit the medical staff. There's no doubt, like they do with but anything. They would, on do, a that, given they would year. do that regardless. So, so yes, like, they should, so if that's what we're talking about, then yes, there's there's nobody to point a finger at. I don't think that we all know of 
Nobody knows the name of the person that's screwing this all up. I think it's a it's a it's a group effort of a lot of people. And again, I think a lot of these guys also have their own people that they go to and trust very much. So how do you police that? Well, I think also what Julio is getting at is like all these Instagram offseason videos where guys like Stanton's pushing like a, a giant like tackle machine up a hill. And it's like, well, you've played nine games this year. So that Instagram workout video really did shit for you. It's just, you know, you're trying, you're trying to get your body in the best, in the best, um, the best point to be ready for a season. And you deal with the injury. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the answer is to this. You know, if, if, if you, to me, if I'm a player, like I'll, like I'll put myself in a position, right? If I'm a player and I'm, and I have a certain type of injury that's happening all the time, I would try to mix it up. I would try to identify why that's happening and then look around at different, maybe look for a precedent of different athletes that have that have uh, similar body types, that have had similar injuries, and then try to you know tailor some kind of a, a regimen, whether it's nutrition, uh, sleep, working out. Like you got to look at you all know where of these it things. starts. We said this last episode: bigger airplane seats. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that doesn't hurt. They're probably, you know what? You saw how Chapman's. We're, we're seeing a lot of hamstring and like soft tissue and oblique injuries. Yeah, we said this last episode. Give them all sleeping pods. I don't know why they're sitting up in a chair sleeping. So, why are we not looking at that? Because honestly, we should. How be. many times have you injured yourself when you have no idea what you're doing and you're just sleeping and you wake up and something hurts? Thursday, I woke up Thursday times. morning. It happens my back all hurt. the time. It happens to you when you're in your twenties. It doesn't matter how old you are. That happens. So when you're sleeping in weird confined places. Mm-hmm. I think we just, I, I mean, we were onto it last week by looking at that, but that really is a thing. Like, why are the Yankees not giving I'm, them? We're joking, areas? but I'm not joking. At all. I'm not joking like, about that. They should get absolutely better accommodations for in. these guys flying cross country, sleeping six hours on a flight. Like, should not be having to put your feet up on the chair in front of you. You should be able to be able to stretch your legs out nicely. If you, I don't even care about cross country. It should be the plane. <laughs> Like fly from Boston to New York, stretch your legs out. All right, that's it for this episode. Uh, going home, final home stand of the year. Severino back on Tuesday. That's going to be very exciting. Hoping to clinch the AL East. Any last words, Mister Doctor Reinen? Mister Doctor, I like how we see that Mister in there. I mean, that was self-proclaimed, but the uh, uh, stand man. That's another guy I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I want to know what your deal is. Who are you? What are you coming back to us like? Hey, hey Giancarlo, first question. Who are you? Who are you? I'm serious. Like, we don't... It's just, There's just so much gray area around this dude's situation all year long. I want some uh, I want some answers. And I only... The only way I want these answers is on-field production. That's it. I just want oh, to yeah, see... Oh, yeah. You're going to get all the cliches in the pregame. No, I don't care what anybody says. Again, yeah. I, I, I've said this a hundred times. I know. I don't care what that. anybody says about anything. I just need to see it with my own two eyes. That's it. I need to see it. I need to see what you're doing. I need to see you feel the ball. I need to see you dig a ball out of the corner uh, on, a, on a hot shot down the line. I need to see all of these things. I need to see you run the bases. I want to see you go first to third. But guess what? We only got two weeks left. And, you know, when exactly he's going to be, you know, what game he's going to be back. Um, I don't know. So there's not a lot of time for us to get these answers. But I need them. <laughs> you need them for your sanity. Yankees fans need them for confidence going into the playoffs. That's going to do it for this episode. We will talk to you Thursday. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. 
Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. LeMayu goes 0 for 6. Last night, Chance Adams. What the hell? This is Vin in Jersey, part of the Willie P. chapter of the Bronx Pinstripe crew. I can't wait for the We Need Pods t-shirt. Hey, Pinstripers, this is Eric from Syracuse, and uh, at the time of this call, the Yankees are down 10-8 against Detroit on Tuesday night, so hey, they might come back and win, but uh, boy, this uh, trio of uh, sucks here, Cortez and Lasagna, I just hope tonight... We'll show Boone and Cashman that those these three clowns should not be anywhere near the playoff roster. Boy, damn. Really would hate to lose a game to these 100-plus lost chumps in Detroit. Good night. Listen, I've been saying it since last year. Boston is in shit. Everything they shit out turned to gold for them last year. They virtually had the same team this year. And they were destroyed. Talk about, oh, we're going to be in first place by the All-Star game. Where? Where? They virtually have the same team, and they still suck. And then they fire. What a poverty-ass team. What a terrible organization. They shouldn't be a baseball team anymore. The disgrace of them wearing... Baseball. Playing baseball. Fucking terrible. Ah. Hey, dude. This is Dingle from Croatia, dude. The Yankees going to win World Series, bro. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, Incarnacion. The parrot, dude. He's the ball along way, man. Red Sox. Suck a dick, dude. Yeah. Blow me, socks. Anyways, dude. Get the world series, the stinkers, the Yankees, Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.